I, Charles the Fourth, or is it the Third? Bloody bitch! We will strive for the denazification of the Let me put it to you! Just a concrete. Yes, if you win by one, you've won. The throne went over the side of the first. It is time to draw it up! I just think everyone should be sure. What the fuck is going on? Hello, I'm Mark Steele. Welcome to my podcast, where each week I ask the question, what the fuck is going on? What the fuck is going on? I've thought for a while that the genius of Keir Starmer is to say nothing, and then a week later to go back on it. So I suppose he's only being cautious. First, he promised to stick to the Tories' figures for spending, and now Labour seem to have agreed to stick to the Tories' figures for suspending candidates for being batshit. He slung two of them out this week, which is a start, but to reassure us, he needs to get through another 30 at least. So Keir Starmer will order the candidate for Barnsley to say, Israel is being controlled by Dame Judy Dench, and the candidate for Yeovil will be told to be caught backstage at a local council meeting, sexually interfering with a portrait of the mayor while holding a gollywog. Because it's a clever strategy he's got, but while every opinion poll shows three quarters of the country thinks the government are greedy, corrupt, incompetent, dangerous and personally foul, that to win people over, he needs to say, we promise to stick to all of their plans. It's like the fire brigade arriving when your house is on fire and saying, don't worry, we promise to stick to the fire's melting plans. That's why we've abandoned the policy of spraying water over it. The only plan Labour had left that many people had heard about was to invest £28 billion in green energy. But now they've cancelled that because the Tories could attack it as wasting money. You're supposed to have plans your opponents can attack. If you only have plans that your opponents like, why don't you just tell people to stick with your opponents? In any case, even though I'm a complete idiot with economics, I know that investing money isn't the same as spending it is it? If someone says, I'm going to invest £1,000 in a savings account, does Keir Starmer say, oh, I don't think you should waste money like that because then you'll have nothing left in the future? Governments are supposed to invest money. Is he planning if he becomes prime minister to take all Britain's money out of everything and keep it all in a Tesco bag under his sideboard? And there's hardly anybody left who likes the Tory spending plans anyway, because the Tory spending plans have been to give billions of pounds to their mates for making hospital gowns that they couldn't make, and billions for a train line and then cancel it, and their last Prime Minister bankrupted the country in a week, and they give billions of pounds to water companies who pour turds into the sea. Last week, Labour abandoned their plan to bring back a cap on bankers' bonuses. I suppose that's because they need the banker vote, especially in places like the West Midlands and Glasgow, where there are huge communities of bankers going back 10 generations who go, my old granddad there, he couldn't have got through a Scottish winter if I didn't have his £35 million pounds of shares every Christmas. That was all that kept him going, by the way. So now the last policy they've got left is to introduce breakfast clubs for kids at school. But soon they'll amend that to cornflake clubs, where each child will be entitled to a cornflake. Every Tuesday. What the fuck is going on? What the fuck, what the fuck is going on? 
This week, we heard the sad news that the body shop stores will soon disappear from our high streets, and that has caused a great deal of distress to many people, including this woman, who I overheard in a cafe. Well, I saw on Good Morning Britain that the body shop is closing, which is awful news because I relied on their seaweed lip balm as it hadn't been tested on animals. So to make sure it was safe, I tested it on the nanny. But she just wouldn't sit still while I squirted it into her eyes. And then Nectarine started screaming because it spilt onto her Orciani leather backpack and she needs a smart back for school because she hasn't been going in for five months and she's far too clever for the lessons and she's not being stretched. And that's why she's been breaking into branches of Nando's. So I said, we'd take the money for the cleaning out of the nanny's wages and then she started yelling in Albanian and then Calvados the homeopath arrived to say that well he didn't trust the body shop anyway as he bought a bottle of their butterscotch shampoo and it was full of rabbits and then Colin cancelled the meeting with the divorce lawyers as he's got an important meeting because he's head of marketing for Pringles across the whole of the Rygate area and then the nanny resigned altogether and tipped a whole bottle of body shop blueberry juice hemorrhoid cream over my CP heart bar from tiles, completely ruining them. And now I have to take Nectarine to her bassoon class. But that's the trouble with some people. It's just me, me, me. Excuse me, has this veal kachopi been tested on animals? Now, every week I say what is obvious that we all know this. You can't work out what the fuck is going on with that expert advice. And then I introduce someone and they're not experts and I have to pretend they are. But not this week. We're going to find out one of the many things that she is an expert on. Caroline Quentin. Hey, I am an expert on so many things. It's it's terrifying. I'm, I'm looking forward to you delving down into my expertise barrel. Oh, so many things. We could go anywhere. Uh, aeronautical engineering. Yeah, I don't uh, do as much as I used to because I'm too busy, <laughs> um, you know, doing gardening. Well, the history of the Incas. Yeah. World number three. Uh, world number three in the tennis um, rankings I up was, to recently. Yeah. I know it's incredible. It's what's what's interesting is I've had such a rich and varied life, and I have I've gleaned so much about so many things, and yet oddly this morning I can't remember. <laughs> no, no. Well, that's part. I like to think that that's probably our audience. A podcast done by people our age. We there's no point in us going. Here's a load of things that we think that you might be interested in. It, we we want to be in touch with our audience by going. What was the? Who was that? <laughs> no. Oh, Caroline. Who was the? <laughs> I mean, they, they, that they, fucking bloke. What? Who was it? <laughs> We've got the right people for that. <laughs> Recently for lunch, I mean, it was the whole meal consisted of us going. Do you remember that really funny bloke who used to play the? Um, oh, what was the club? Um, oh, yes. What was it? Him with the clarinet. <laughs> was it an oboe? No, no, the oboe. That was Mister. Um, yeah, that was thing. Oh, that that was Mister Spunktastic and his uh, <laughs> and his bubbles uh, and his bubbles. Yeah, come out of an oboe. Do you I remember mean, I that? Think, I think we're the right people to, to, be, to be doing this because I don't even know my own name most mornings. Well, because terrible because you know because I've had sort of various health issues in recent months. Every now and again, I forget something, and then I think, oh no, is that is that. Has the cancer gone to the bit that controls me? And then I think, no, it was about five years since I could happily remember 
more than three things at once. Do, yeah, I mean, I think I think we all we all think, oh, I can't I can't remember that because of my age, my illness, my bladder mm. leakage, my you know my chest infection my you know my family drama whatever and the truth of the matter is we're all just living life and it's true of everybody now the trouble is we're so overstimulated that's i do yes. think there's an issue with that i think you know wherever you go there's a screen pointing at you there's you know people say to you, oh have you seen that new series and you think oh mm. about 35 different series i'm into books i'm meant to be reading series i'm meant to be watching you know um, uh, languages I'm meant to be doing, yoga I should be, you know, I mean, it's the end. Oh, yeah, you don't want to get all them confused. No, there's a new thing where Martin Scorsese has written this new thing up where you stretch, where you have to do a sort of downward dog pose. Yeah. And, 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 and is, is that it? And it's the, um, and it's the new, oh, I'm trying to think of some new, what's a new series? You mean Martin um, Scorsese? The film director no. Martin Scorsese? No, the yoga instructor. Which one's the yoga instructor? Are you joking? What was the good? What was Goodfellas? Was that yoga or was that a television series where they had to go around and buy a house in Italy? Oh, um, oh, you were probably in it. I, 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 I yeah, I think I might have been, but I don't recall it now. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I played an Italian mobster. And I was in the position of a dog. Is that right? That'd be it. That'd be, that'd, that'd be that it. That was me. You've been in everything. Been, but I know you I, were in Midsummer Murders, weren't you? I knew I was. I met, I, you know, I've been knocking around in this industry for four and a half million years. And I'd never worked with or met Adrian Edmondson. And then I oh, got yeah. past as his wife. And it was mm. really nice. I'd never met him, and I've always thought, "Oh, I'd like. I wonder what he's like." I bet he's really. And then I got cast as Mrs. Woman in this um, in a Midsummer <laughs> Murders, and um, and I spent you know like a couple of weeks in a obviously a big posh country house because that's you know mandatory. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that's um, where all that's where all modern murders take place. <laughs> <laughs> exactly with with Adrian Emerson. So that was really fun. That was directed by our old friend Audrey Cook as well. Oh, how brilliant. Yeah. How, how brilliant. Well, that must be brilliant to get if you're an actor and you're at a certain point where you just sort of, it's almost like meeting up with old mates and you think, oh, what am I in now? Oh, it's casualty. Which one of us has broken a spine <laughs> and which one of us is the surgeon? But it is like that. It, mm. At the moment, I'm, I suddenly realised the other day, I went to see a play at the, um, at the National the other night. It's a really, really good play, actually. It's called Till the Stars Come Down. And if if you get a chance to go and see it, go and see it. It's one, some of the best bit of writing. It's by Best Steel. Um, uh, really wonderful. I'm trying to remember where she's from, actually. Sorry, I digress. Anyway, I went to see it, and um, I suddenly thought, oh, I, I know them. I've worked with them. Uh, I know mm. I've worked with their son. I, You know, their daughter's an up-and-coming designer, at, you know, chef, you know, and, and suddenly the world becomes much, much smaller as you get older because, of course, you know, I have I have worked with a lot of, a lot of people. Well, once you could, I remember seeing an Icelandic comic who was, uh, and I'm fascinated by, by Iceland, I'm not quite sure why, and he had a line I remember I thought was really funny when he said, uh, the dramas we have, um, they just don't work in Iceland because Iceland's so small and you and everybody knows the people. So you're watching an Icelandic detective story and you think, well, that detective, I wouldn't trust him to solve a murder. I lent him a tenner once and I didn't see him for five months. That is midsummer. <laughs> Basically, Iceland is midsummer. But now we must talk about matters horticultural because yeah. you have a book out. 
I do. It's called Drawn to the Garden, and I've illustrated it and written it. And I thought, because I've been a King Gardener all my life, really. Um, Actually, yeah. Yeah, but and I've also drawn and painted all my life. And so during COVID, I didn't have anywhere to show off. So I started doing an Instagram account um, called CQ Gardens. And I started to talk to other gardeners and post about gardening and all that kind of stuff and uh, little bits of drawing and painting. Anyway, it went really well. It was amazing. It was like there was a whole group of people out there who don't really have much interest in telly, but really are interested in gardening. And I suddenly found a whole group of people I could talk to. And I've written a book and illustrated a book called Drawn to the Garden, which come, I think it's today is it today or tomorrow it comes out anyway um and uh yeah so that that's been a whole new uh really really lovely thing well i can tell you that it works because by about page six uh, and i'm someone who's never not only am i someone who's not probably the first person to watch gardening programs but i have a, a unique ability when it comes to horticulture in that i can kill anything I don't know how I do it. I go, there's a lovely, lovely shop at the top of the hill here and they, a plant shop, not a posh one at all, in fact. And this uh, really nice Jamaican man sort of in there. And he, he says, I, I say, I want something that is impossible to kill. And he'll go, well, this one, you can't, you don't do anything. You don't, you just water it once a month. Don't overwater it. Put it in the corner, put it by some light. It just absolutely sorts itself out. That's perfect for you. And six weeks later, I go back in, I go, it's dead, mate. Not a fucking leaf left. Well, that's really hard because people keep saying to me, I kill everything. I'm no good with plants. And I always say, no, there will be something. There will be something that you can grow. And I now, you've made me rather doubt that premise that actually. Yeah. But having said that, by about page six of your book, I was thinking, oh, this looks delightful. I really should sort of engage in this a little bit more and put a bit of effort. Give it a go. There's something you wrote there that I thought was really, uh, that really, uh, I thought, oh, that's brilliant. And it's an obvious thing, but it's something I don't necessarily always think of, that with gardening, there's something innately optimistic about it because it's for the future. So it's you're sort of creating something that is that is only going to come to fruition yeah. at a point in the future. Yeah, I think you, I think no, I suppose you could are, say that. About- no, we are. I mean, I uh, you know the, uh, in the book, I think I say something like you know every seed is basically a hopeful gesture everything Mm. because you put it into a little dark patch of earth and you are inherently kind of optimistic because you know you almost are certain that some little green shoot unless you're you obviously and you kill it immediately by being near it but you know it it will a little green shoot will appear and and there is something so joyful about that and hopeful and you know, and, and also there's, you know, it's the, if you fail, it's not the end of the world because a packet of seeds will probably cost you about £1.49 and you get about 100 seeds. So even right. if one of those seeds comes up, I think that's a great investment. I really would encourage people to do it. I think it's so good for one. One, two. Yeah, it sounds my, it sounds my, I think my problem is just that having to, I'd forget to go back and do the routine things. Yeah, just what watering. Yeah, because you need to sort of keep going back every. It's the, it's it's a thing for me. A task that is the the most difficult to accomplish is one where every day I've got to spend thirty seconds on it. That to me, because I just forget. Seriously. Yeah. Well, so okay, I'm just wondering if you could tie it in with something else. Like you could say, okay, I've cleaned my teeth. 
um, yeah. or I've I've done what, something you do every day. I don't, I don't I don't know what you do every day, <laughs> but something that takes you a short amount of time to do every day. And I forget these, so I'm holding up a bottle of forty sip drink here, which is what until about the last week when I can start to sort of eat again. I've been relying on putting these in a, in a little tube into my stomach, and there's been days where I thought. Oh Christ! I forgot to feed. I forget to feed. I forget to water myself. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. You're not a born gardener, definitely. If you can't, <laughs> if you can't remember to put some fluid into your own body. I'm not hopeful about um, some lettuce seeds. I'm really not. On the other hand, you could, if you those two thoughts, if you could that if that if that neural pathway could be linked, you could mm. make that. I will feed myself and I will water my seeds. If that neural pathway connects, mm. you might your whole life might improve dramatically. The next thing I've got prize winning rhododendrons. I'm sorry to hear that. It's bad enough having <laughs> <laughs> Well there is well there, here is where the sort of gardening world and probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast where the, the, the lines would cross for everyone is that well there is one obvious one is that the most famous uh, allotment owner of recent years was Jeremy Corbyn. Oh yes, oh god yes of course. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So actually, and yeah. Have you had him on? I did. On this? No. If he could come on, the thing I would like to ask him is this. So I read about this in, in Owen Jones's book. <laughs> that there's an account, I can't remember who it was from, but one of his sort of allies in the Labour Party at the time, who said that during one of the shadow cabinet meetings, uh, it was somebody had said, oh, it's the Her Majesty's birthday. And it is tradition, protocol that the uh, part that the opposition gives her a present every year. So he come in to the next shadow cabinet meeting, and they went, "Oh, have you got the present?" And they, you know, whatever they were discussing, whatever else was going on. <laughs> have you got a present? And he said, "Yeah, I've got some jam from my allotment. I've made some jam Ooh, from the allotment, and I'm going to give that to the to her Majesty." And it was in a jar. That he'd sort of even done the little label himself, like yeah. people do, you know, put the label to, like me. to the queen, me. you know. And then it, some, it, and then he got called out and he had to go and they went, oh, God, well, I suppose we better give this to the queen. And then Emily Thornbury or one of the others went, well, let's, at least let's put it in a better jar because this is some old sort of Kenko coffee jar or something. So we'll put it in a proper jar. And and they said that the, she opened the jar and it was all mouldy. The the top of the, the jam. <laughs> we can't give her that. Be the, the Daily Mail will say he's been trying to kill the Queen. He hadn't sterilised this jar properly, had he? Oh, that's probably it. Is that it? It is that. Yeah, if you don't sterilise, they go mouldy very very quickly. Either that, or it was an absolute deliberate attempt. <laughs> <laughs> the monarchy and to take <laughs> to, one, to, one, uh, one spoonful of jam at a time. <laughs> yeah. To undermine the monarchy by making a game. It's rather bitter. <laughs> I think I think you should get Jeremy Corbyn on this program. <laughs> I do. They talk about know. the allotments. Well, he'd be more with, with you. He'd be, he'd be big on it, wouldn't yeah. he? Yeah, he would. He'd love it. He'd love it. But I think that I can see how the um, the whole world of allotments, the work, yeah, the world of allotments. Let's say that is that's quite a social and political issue, isn't it? Because no, hundred percent, hundred percent, it is. 
the, mm. the right to be an allotment here is is a is an ancient right actually and people nowadays are realizing they have a right to a strip of land and to grow their own food it's a wonderful thing i mean it was a very it was a politically active um, movement the allotment is you know it, it, because anciently you know people you know had um, oh god my memory this is what i do you know but p- piecemeal farming stri- you know strip we learned about it in school um You'd each get given a strip of land, even even if the land was all owned by the you know the baron or whatever. You had a right to grow crops, and it was hard won and hard fought for to maintain that. And in and in recent years, people have started to actually say to their councils, "No, we we still have a right to to grow um, our own food." And I think increasingly we sort of want to, because we don't want things flown from all over the world. We don't we don't want stuff that's you know had chemicals on it. We we are aware that pesticides are absolutely destroying the bee population and therefore everyone's means of, of, um, of pollinating crops. You know, it's a really, it's, it's, it's an act of, 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 of rebellion to demand your right to, to grow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Caroline, one last question. So uh, uh, the name of the book again. That, is that the last question? Mm. Oh, it's called Drawn to it the It comes world. in two parts. What's, what's the name of the book and then what's the best way to... to buy the book get it oh, i'm glad you gave me a bit of a heads up because i'm not very good at that so it's called drawn to the garden it's published by quarto you can get it in lots of different ways oh i should know this oh <laughs> oh i love this selling things no i um, love this this is why an american now um, american go right it's just an amazing book and it's already it's up for 23 different awards and uh it'd be, it'd be all that oh, and I you can buy it here you can get it you can get it um oh, I should, this is something i really should know this um <laughs> if you put drawn to the garden Caroline, yes, waterstones you can get it from Waterstones shop you can get it from there you can get it um on amazon from waterstones from my, you can click on my um you know instagram account uh, which seems they are. gardens. They are any of those ways, or you can come around my house. And I'll sell you yeah. a copy at the door. Fantastic, do that. Thank you so much. I know what the fuck is going on, at least in one area of the world, which is yeah. lettuce. What the fuck is going on? If you would like to hear more of that interview with Caroline, then you can join us on Patreon, where there is an extended version available. And it is indeed thanks to our wonderful, virtuous, saintly, glorious, radiant, beatified, if there's any justice Patreon supporters, that we can continue our quest to find out what the fuck is going on. Just follow the link on our Twitter page or search for Patreon What the F. And for as little as £2 a month, you will get early access to ad free versions. Ad free versions of the regular episodes. Nothing in this world is ad free. Even if you're in the woods living off blueberries and fallen fruit, you will find a pear. And as you bite inside it, it will say, webuyanycar.com. <laughs> the pips will spell it. Or if you really want to know what's going on, for just £4 a month, you will get a longer ad-free version of the episode with extended versions of the guest interviews with Extra Elliot, and you will get bonus sketches. This week, for example, there's an exclusive recording of one of the most thrilling moments in the Super Bowl. All our Patreon supporters get the episodes on Friday nights, unlike everybody else who has to wait until Saturday mornings, chewing bits of breeze blocks to just see themselves through to the next morning, taking untold amounts of medication 
medication so that they can calm themselves and then maybe ending up with paramedics having to pump themselves out the, out the stomach. The stories we hear are awful. You can avoid all of that. So search Patreon What the F to join the WTF community. We're a month or so into 2024, but still there are an enormous number of people facing the most unpleasant of financial hardships uh, in the current economic climate. And so we're very pleased once again to introduce to you our man with his money-saving tips, Martin Sunak. Welcome to uh, Saving with Sunak. Once again, I'll be answering your everyday questions about how to make ends meet. And I'm pleased to say that on line two, we have Marjorie. How can I help today, Marjorie? Um, uh, Well, Martin, it's about my father. You see, he's 80 and quite frail, and Mm. I can't afford a private care home for him. And I I am worried that he'll end up somewhere where they'll just leave him on his own all day. Are are there Mm. any schemes that can help? Oh, Marjorie, well, I feel your pain. I really do. But these days, you know, there are plenty of activities that our older folk can engage in. One elderly gentleman I see often keeps his mind busy by running News International and another one runs Formula One. So why not suggest something like that? He was a caretaker for the council, Martin. Thank you very much, Marjorie. And as well as keeping their minds busy, this sort of thing brings in some very, very handy extra cash. Now, on line three, uh, we've got Tasmin. Hi, Tasmin. Oh, hello, Martin. Um, I'm ever so worried. Um, My child minding Mm -hmm. costs have gone up by £80 a month for my two sons. And if I pay that, Mm. then I can't afford to work. It is such a worry. Oh. What would you suggest? Oh, Tasmin, I, I feel your pain, but there is help. Why not hire a full-time nanny and maybe invest in some horses to keep them entertained? And then you won't need a childminder at all. Well, how much will that cost? <laughs> Thank well, you so much, Tasmin. Good luck. Oh. Bye. Saving with it has come to that time of the week where citizens, subjects around the nation, indeed around the world, stop whatever they're doing kneel maybe in reverence and wait for the announcements once it would have just been a a dystopian future from a film such as metropolis or fahrenheit 451 but now we have got to that point where nobody is allowed to to move without an announcement and quite right too because otherwise well the fact that the train was slippy given that it's been snowing would pass people by in the modern world with their busy lives, and seven or eight thousand people would be crushed to death in the uh, in the ensuing catastrophe. Thank goodness for the announcements. The announcements this week are that um, well, I've got no announcements at the moment, have I? We're, we will be doing live shows later in the year again, and uh, so you know we'll be doing that. As, of course, you know anybody could say something in the future. That's as much as the Labour Party going. We promise to. Build growth. That's what I'm reduced to. But in a couple of weeks, I can announce that in a couple of weeks there will be announcements that will be tangible and will be, and I can promise you they'll be on a little pledge card and you can measure the achievements against the announcements that we make. Now, as well as people getting in touch with us on our Patreon account, people uh, have also been asking on Twitter what the fuck is going on with certain things. So uh, here at random are 
a series of um, very marvellous questions that people have been sending in. L Tav says, three or four years ago, Keir Starmer decided that Israel must not be criticised. So now Israel indiscriminately bombs kids, but Keir's painted himself into a corner. Uh, you, well, you're right. He has done that. You know, because, in fact, uh, Keir Starmer has now sort of joined in with almost everybody, even the American government, even the people that sell the weapons to the Israelis are sort of going, can you sort of leave a little bit left? Because obviously, you know, there's we have to compromise. That seems to be what they're saying. And I can understand that there needs to be a compromise. Israel wants to kill everybody in Gaza. And uh, people who are supporting the Palestinians are saying, well, can we come to a number? Can we sort of barter a bit like if it's for the price of something in one of those markets? You know, I've been to a market in in Marrakesh, that sort of thing. Well, all right, you're saying kill everybody. What about can we leave seven alive? No. That's the sort of bartering and um, that's the sort of compromise that there needs to be. Even America is saying that. So now Keir Starmer's had to go, oh, and the last one in the world saying, uh, no, there should be no compromise. Israel has a right to defend itself by killing everybody, including everybody in the region we told people they had to go to. So he's sort of now gone, oh, all right, then I suppose there should be a ceasefire, in which case, given that he said anyone calling for that should be expelled, he will have to expel himself. And he's a man of honour, so I'm sure he will. Aid Nichols asks, and this is an even more serious point, why are the taps in service station toilets so complicated these days? I don't know whether to push, twist, or wave my hand at them. It's supposed to be for hygiene reasons, but I'm literally going to wash my fucking hands. I agree with you, Aid Nichols. This has been my point for taps. This is one of many, many things in the world that used to be simple. They'd sorted it. The Romans did it. You had a tap, and then they worked out that if you had, like, two taps, One was hot and one was cold, and you could just put you out. And if you wanted it a little bit hotter or a little bit colder, then the relevant tap, you turn that up a little bit. They'd sorted that, the Romans, until a few years ago. And then people were going, oh, no, that's too complicated. So we're going to have one tap in the middle of a sink. That was the first thing. So now you don't know, and it doesn't even say which bit goes hot and cold until you put your hand under it and go, oh, and and now they've got wobbly things so you knock it and the water goes uh, all over the television if you've got your television in the kitchen and and yeah the service station taps are an abomination and these people should be put in jail and you there's not even a tap you just put your hand in this trough and a sensor spots there's a hand there and this mist goes if you've done the correct uh, performative artistic dance in order to trigger the thing and then there's nowhere to dry it or one of those things that makes a really rotten terrible noise and billions of pounds have been spent on this thing whereas a towel did it i don't want to sound like an old man but you're absolutely right aid you're just right and I think the two things are very linked because I think it's the frustration of things like the service station taps or lack of them that leads to what's happening in Gaza. 
Um, ben Keating, a friend of the podcast and patron, says, I'm heading to France and Belgium this year, the first time abroad in 20 years. Wow. But I'm sceptical to travel by myself as I'll be a solo traveller. Can Liz Trust give me any tips or ideas on how to have the perfect holiday abroad? That's an excellent question, and I'm sure very, very soon, because Liz comes on this uh, comes on this podcast, I'm sure that very, very soon she can give you very um, accurate ad- advice probably about how we've been doing it wrong up until now and not unlocking all the new ways with our old traditional wokerati ways of going abroad. There's new ways of doing it. Uh, Sue Gen 67 says, where are my glasses? Oh, for God's sake, Sue, they're behind the teapot. Uh, w. Thirsk Gaskill. W. Thirsk Gaskill. Oh, that's a marvellous name. That sounds like a Victorian, a Victorian name for the man who invented the spider trap. Why is it now right wing, says W. Thirsk Gaskill, to subserviently and sadomasochistically support Russia? It is amazing the different sorts of people. For a while, it was lots of sort of people on the left just carried on supporting Putin. And it was almost like they'd not, because they were so used to supporting communist Russia, they hadn't noticed that. Uh, it wasn't communist anymore, and so they just they couldn't help but support Russia. Uh, uh, and now the right wing people, I suppose it's right wing to subserve it because it's well, it was Trump, isn't it? It was leading it, and uh, it, it's authoritarian. And I don't know. I even as I get older and I get and I soften towards certain people and try to see other people's point of view, I think it's difficult with Vladimir Putin, albeit that we've seen him very much put his point of view on an interview this week. But uh, I, I'm not warming to him. And if he gets blown up, I can probably live with it. You know the routine by now. It certainly isn't possible, not in any way of circumstances whatsoever, to find out what the fuck is going on without people that are much younger than yourself, particularly someone who is currently 27 and about two thirds. Luckily, we have Elliot Still. Elliot Still, how are you? Uh, I'm very well. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Much the same as I was last when I last saw you. About an hour ago, <laughs> which is good, very yeah. good. So, uh, I, uh, what what have you seen? I've, I should tell people that are listening to this, by the way, because they'll otherwise they'll be sort of thinking, "Well, Mark seems to be getting better, but his son seems to be getting worse." So, you, where were you last night? Uh, I was in I was in Box Park. So that's in Croydon. Yes, that's the main attraction in Croydon now. Is, is the mm. Box Park? Yes, yeah. is a big. A big uh, sort of there's like loads of uh, you know where you go to places and you pay like fourteen pound for a burger or something. Yes, and they have uh, they have like yeah fuck the system written on the wall or something. Right, but then but then you very much feel like part of a system. Yeah, paying for the stuff. And Croydon's got that sort of thing going on now. Yeah, it's got that's it's got, fantastic. Croydon's been waiting to go up market for years, and now it's got stuff that is ridiculously hideously overpriced, just like everywhere else. Yeah, it's good though. It yeah. is good to be fair. Mm. So I was okay. there, and then I, I stayed out and had a few drinks afterwards. And what time did you have the drinks till? Probably like three or four. Yeah. So I wonder if there's a link between that and your sort of slightly gruff sounding voice today. Um, I don't think it would take Sherlock Holmes <laughs> to perhaps say that this is a self-inflicted mm. apology. Where today I did have to go to the park. Which I very much loved doing, you know, going to the park with uh, with my niece, hmm. but was really hungover, which made me have a newfound respect for alcoholic parents. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's a thing. So, what is it that you're got, you're cross about? Oh, British gas. Hmm. What are they yeah, done they, now? Because they've been so popular up to now. 
well, they've recorded like mass amounts of profits just as a recession has been announced. The class, and they recorded, I think it was like, I don't know, their profits have gone up again and again. And it's like, of course, at what point do we as British people just accept that we're the laziest, never going to do anything about this? They could, they could literally come round. British guys could come round to your house and just start taking things out and we'll just sit there and just watch them and go, oh, well, they do, they are kind of keeping us warm every now and then. <laughs> well, just like take, taking up your carpets and stuff. Yeah, it should be a public service, you know, the mm. idea of warmth and shelter, seeing as it's at the very beginning of Maslow's hierarchy of needs and they've profited off it. But we you know, they do it, so we just we just let them do it as we always do, and nothing will change. And that, I'm part of the problem as well. Well there does seem to be a lot of people, you know, if you was if you get up and say in a public place, I think we should be more like the French, I think we should why don't we get their gas and ignite it and and blow up all of their buildings until they stop just profiteering out of out of you know people in this <laughs> oh it's winter this is marvelous news the old bastards will need even more make sure you leave them just enough warmth to to keep them alive so yeah. that they can we can rob them again next year and they're so hated and the opposition doesn't seem to really have any plan to do anything about it and they've made vast sums of money and so on what they've used all the sort of energy price things and Putin and all that as a way to make even more profits and we all go but if you say we should be more like the French and just just blow everything up people go yeah we should and then nobody does I'm not quite sure what you do about that well because it is a bit drizzly outside still mm. so that does that does impact things slightly do you think that's what it is? Do you think revolution only happens in hot places? I don't think so. I mean, one of the, you know, Paris in 1789 and Moscow in 1917 were not overly tepid. Yeah, but I kind of, you know, like, I, if, look, if somebody goes and does it, I'll agree with them, but I, I'm, I can't be bothered myself. Right. But if somebody else goes and does it, it I, I'd, I'd be very happy. As a call to arms, that's not quite Che Guevara. Someone can go and do it. I would like them to do it, but yeah, but then I'm doing it myself would be. You've got to get like I've got to, I've got to get like a pair of military combat fatigues and stuff. There's so much, so much that I've got to do that it just does go well. We could just. I live don't with think it. that would be the. Uh, I don't think that would be the fashion of a revolution in Britain now. Combat fatigues. That's all a bit sort of. That's you know that was Cuba and stuff, isn't it? Do you know what? Who looked good, and I really disagree with their actions. Mm. I cannot stress how much I disagree with their actions. Mm. But the Khmer Rouge, mm. they had a cool outfit. Do you think so? Yeah, the red bandana's cool. Yeah. The Khmer Rouge was a pretty cool... Well, that probably uh, did account for how they sort of... Because they did come in that, in that sort of early 70s time. They did, they did look quite... That the image was taken up by various bands and so on in this country. Well, the Khmer Rouge, yeah, a little bit. A, a huge part of the left, of the young left in the late sixties, was influenced by Mao because it seemed to be an alternative to Soviet Russia. So from there, it's only a short step to the Khmer Rouge. Yeah, uh, we're in hindsight though. That's not a good look. No. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a, I would be pretty embarrassed if there was any photos of me dressed like I was in the Khmer Rouge I'd go hey let's let, let's not bring them out at Christmas 
Oh, it was just a phase. <laughs> yeah, he was just into yeah. <laughs> well, Shea Guevara, you know, that's a. I mean, I wonder how many people who wear. I wonder how many people who wear Shea Guevara t-shirts have any idea who he was or whether he was a. You know, well, that's like someone who wears wears like a Nirvana t-shirt for an album or something. Now, there's the things like a statement like how many people would know many Nirvana albums, but they would know that. Uh, Kurt Cobain was the lead singer in Nirvana, Perhaps. wouldn't they? Would they not even know that? Would they not know that he, uh, oh, he was a bloke who killed himself? Would they not know that? I think they would, whereas I don't know with Shea Guevara, they, I think people probably think it was like, oh, is that what the body shot used to be called before, you know, when they were still testing things on animals? <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it was called, and it was called and stuff because he had a beret and oh, didn't he? Before it was like Sheik Guevara or something. And yeah. then- <laughs> oh, and you don't get them in the high streets anymore because they just couldn't come up with it. With with, once the high street became online and digital, it just all went wrong for Shea Guevara. I think there was a chain of shops called Shea Guevara. You could buy stuff, you know, which I don't know. I mean, that's pretty cool, isn't it? To have been a, a revolutionary. I think you've just gaslit yourself into thinking that. I don't think that's No, I think it did. Exist. I don't think I'm making that up. And I don't think so. I mean, no one else. There's not been a sort of, you know, a, a, a chain of sweet shops called Trotsky or a, a chain of car mechanics called, go on, who do you want? Maximilian Robespierre. <laughs> if we don't get, if, if we haven't fitted your gearbox within 24 hours to your satisfaction, you can guillotine us all you want. <laughs> we, yeah, well, you're not going to get a guillotine in this country, are you? You could fuck up the gearbox and then we'll just sell it to us and we'll go, yeah, thank you very much. And you go, oh, by the way, we've raised the price for how much we're going to... Like there's no other thing in this country, no no other place in this world would do as bad a job as British Gas, and then turn around and boast about the profits they have. Is that what they're doing? I'm sure it is marvelous for that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I absolutely. I don't know. I don't think there's a single thing that you could do to the board of British Gas that should be against the law. That's, well, I, I, why doesn't Keir Starmer say that? We are absolutely abolishing all penalties for anything done to anyone who's on the board of British Gas. But will he do it? No. Keir Starmer will do a thing where he'll come out in support of the board of British Gas and then Rishi Sunak will come out and go, even I think this has gone a bit too far. And then he'll start, and by that point he'll have expelled a load of the Labour Party because they've said, well, we don't think that British Gas should be making these levels of profits. And he'll go, well, this is radical leftism that we have within our own party that we have to root out for people wanting old ladies to not have to turn the heating off during winter. And that, on that optimistic note, this has been the cheeriest episode of what the fuck is going on that we've had. I, some... <laughs> We're like, you know, with the people in the, these sort of DJs who are in the morning, and no matter what yeah. the mood is, no matter what's happened, they have to go, Hi, it's fantastic to be here. It's seven o'clock in the morning. And uh, well, the nuclear war began yesterday, but don't, <laughs> let's not let that bother us. It's going to be fantastic on 156.2 FM. Here is Rihanna, and we're the opposite. <laughs> it's, it's getting to spring, the crocuses are out. Oh, what's the fucking point? British <laughs> gas, everything. People are starving. No one's going to do anything about it. You can 
You can hear more of this on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for battling free anger. Go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you've liked it, rate it. And if you can be bothered, write a review. If you can't be bothered, then, well, you need therapy. What's the matter with you? Listening to things and not writing a review. You you have to write a review about everything now. If you walk up the stairs and back, you will get an email saying, how did we do with our stairs? Write a review. If there's anything at all that you think I should be finding out what the fuck is going on with it, please send me a message on Twitter at WTF is going on pod at WTF is going on pod. And we will look at every message that you send. If you would like to become a WTF supporter for as little as £2 a month and get early access to ad-free and extended versions, please visit our Patreon page. What the fuck is going on? It's hosted by me, Mark Steele, with my guests, Caroline Quentin and Elliot Steele, voices by Sarah Alexander and Caroline Quentin. It was written by Mark Steele and Pete Sinclair. The music was by Willie Dowling. It was produced by Mike Benwell at Carousel Studios. What the fuck is going on was brought to you by WTF Productions. 